All right. Welcome, everybody. We are in a series, The Gift of the Holy Spirit. The message today is The Comforter. I am Dr. Mary Craig. It is June 18, 2023. This is Mary Craig Ministries, Craig House Christian Fellowship. And let's begin with prayer. Holy Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, whose we are and whom we serve. Thank you, Lord, for the body and blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And we thank you, Lord, for his obedience, even to death on the cross. We thank you he fulfilled all righteousness, even to dying to pay the penalty for sin, redeeming those for whom he died. Reconciliation, Lord, he brought the reconciliation that overcomes alienation from you. So now we can know you, Lord God, as Father. And we thank you for that. We thank you that Jesus bore your wrath, bore the curse, bore the sin, and bore the glory. And Jesus destroyed the works of darkness, defeating Satan and his kingdom publicly. Thank you, Lord, for the sending of the Holy Spirit, and we ask the Holy Spirit come as a spirit of truth, guiding us into the truth to come as a spirit of wisdom and revelation, revealing Jesus Christ to us, Lord, and granting us wisdom for the days in which we live. We thank you, God, that the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, the comforter, the one who comes alongside. And may we deepen our understanding of, of what that means and who the Holy Spirit is as paraclete. Lord God, we give you all the glory and help us to honor you today in this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. The Holy Spirit is comforter. We're going to begin with the guarantee it is part of the job description of the Holy Spirit to confirm or ratify the covenant. The metaphor of an earnest, the word earnest, is used of the Holy Spirit in speaking of him as the guarantee or seal of the covenant of grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Bunches of scripture and they'll be in the written message of um, of this today of this audio on on the web on marycraig.org. This confirmation ensures the consummation. This confirmation he confirms it ensures the consummation of the covenant. Like it's going to happen. The operation and presence of the Holy Spirit in the believer supplies proof that God has made a covenant 
with that person, the believer, and is ordered in all things and sure. The Holy Spirit implants faith to enable the believer to endure, quote, as seeing him who is invisible, unquote. Hebrews 11, verse 27. The inheritance guarantees, the Holy Spirit as earnest guarantees successful completion, Philippians 1, 6. Therefore, we reach forth to the inheritance of which the Holy Spirit is the earnest. What is that inheritance? It is God himself. Today, we have the Holy Spirit as an earnest. Someday we will have the fullness of the Holy Spirit enabling us to enjoy God to the max. Today we taste that the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son has been sent into the believer's heart to both assure and comfort. Now let's talk about crosses and caresses. This is a quote, and who gave it? Andrew, no. This is a quote from Madame Guillaume. She lived from 1648 to 1717, and this is coming from her autobiography. Quote, amid all the strange domestic crosses I had to bear, I might be drawn away, but... Thou, mean God, but you, by your goodness and love, gave it quite another turn. By these redoubled strokes, you did draw me to yourself, and by your crosses effected what your caresses could not effect. Unquote. Madame Guillaume. So this is why we are to take joy in our various trials. And the cross is an instrument of death. But the caresses of the Holy Spirit are life. And now we turn to look at the Holy Spirit as comforter. Psalm 94, verse 19. The same work of the Holy Spirit in a believer's heart is a gradual and progressive process. The burdensome sense of sin prepares us for Christ as Lord and Savior. We looked at that convicting move of the Holy Spirit last time. We talked about the process of calling, conviction, convincing, to the point of confession out of godly repentance leading to a repentance unto life and of conversion. We talked about the conscience being informed by truth and acknowledgement of truth by effectual illumination, since it is the Holy Spirit who brings a person from death unto life, causes one to be born out of God through regeneration, 
shines into their minds, applies the light to their consciences by effectual conviction, wounds and breaks hearts for sin, and moves the will to embrace Christ in faith for salvation. It is the Holy Spirit who also comforts in the process, meaning he gives us strength. The Comforter. As the Holy Spirit comforts a believer with the comfort of God in, in Christ, he is weaning the heart forever from the comfort, pleasures, satisfaction, or joy to be found in sin or in any creature, or in the world, or in things satanic. All that goes. The believer will be drawn to find comfort and satisfaction in Christ alone, in God alone. Thus, creature comforts will be marred and spoiled. And so we must seek comfort in the Lord. Hosea 2, 14 and 15. And I'm going to read in a minute. Hosea 2, 6 to 15. We will go through trials and wilderness experiences and hard times until we come into a place barren and devoid of all comforts until... We find comfort in the Lord. This is important to remember so you don't lose hope when you're going through it. Okay. I will have to have... Okay, well, you'll have to look up on your own, Hosea 2, 6 through 15. I I really recommend um, that you um, read all of Hosea there in the beginning, the first three chapters. It's very important. I did a paper years ago called For the Love of a People on Hosea. But let's go on. Oh, do you have it? Okay, so we'll read it in a minute. The Holy Spirit as Comforter supports the fainting heart, reviving drooping saints and keeping them from sinking in abject despair. The Holy Spirit has been assigned the task of making us as God declares us to be in Christ. See, this we have what's called a definitive sanctification, where we are defined as holy, blameless, and without reproach. And then we go through progressive sanctification as the Holy Spirit moves us to... um, Be holy as God is holy. That's progressive. We become what God declares us to be. So the Holy Spirit moves us to cry out to the living God 
for mercy. Okay. Hosea chapter 2, verses 6 to 15. Okay, so here's Hosea 2, 6 to 15. Hosea is right after Daniel. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up your way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband. For then was it better with me than now. For she did not know that I gave her corn. Uh, They didn't have corn. That's a translation grain, (laughs) and wine and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Oh, and they actually have the corn underlined here, and it says grain in the margin. Okay, grain, yeah. Therefore will I return and take away uh, my grain in the time thereof, and my wine in the season thereof, and will recover and then they have take away my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness. And now will I uh, discover, and then they have exposed immodestly, her lewdness. Uh, I'm just going to move on. In the sight of her lovers, and none shall deliver her out of my hand. I will also cause all her mirth, or laughter, to cease, her feast days, her new moons and her Sabbaths, rests, and all her solemn feasts. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, whereof she has said, These are my rewards that my lovers have given me, and I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall eat them. And I will visit upon her the days of Baalim, wherein she burned incense to them, and she decked herself with her earrings and her jewels, and she went after her lovers and forgot me, says the Lord, and be Jehovah. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably to her, and I will give her her vineyards from there in the valley of Achor for a door of hope, and she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be at that day, says the Lord, Jehovah, that you shall call me Ishi, um, in other words, my husband, and shall call me no more Baali, um, in other words, uh, my Lord. Okay, so... In the in the uh, in the times of trouble, Acor is trouble, a door of hope. Okay, so in first entering into the kingdom of grace, we will have the turmoil of heart and soul, the crosses before the caresses, and along the way we have trials and tribulation before the ultimate entrance into the kingdom of glory. We will feel our lack of power and come to know God's power. 
we will come under the weight of Satan's accusations and oppression that we might know the completeness of Christ's atonement on behalf of those for whom he died. The Holy Spirit as Comforter gives us time off, time to recover, times of refreshing, a rest day, as it were. We think we have arrived, that we got the message, and then sanctification goes strong again. God disciplines us as sons. He puts in us the spirit of a son. We must learn. We must align to truth. We must grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We must be prepared to live with a holy God forever in his presence. And quote, it's the end of me when our son, who just read you from Hosea <laughs> years ago, when our son was about four years old, he experienced something so terrible in his four-year-old perspective that he cried and cried. I said to him, it's not the end of the world. And he quickly retorted, no, but it's the end of me. And, and it was very serious, so I didn't dare laugh. No, but it's the end of me. Well, that's a, that is very telling. That's how we all feel. Now, the thing is, when the true God takes a soul in his hand, he brings him to the end of himself. Not only are we convicted of the worthlessness of our own works, but convinced of our inability to do God's will in our own strength. We are stripped of any and all self-righteousness and emptied of all self-sufficiency. We move into an impasse. Romans 7, verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, Nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Romans 7, verse 18. Romans 7 describes this very struggle. Believers want to trust in the Lord, etc., but how to perform that which is good he finds not. Romans 5, 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. We come to the conclusion that without Christ, we are lost forever. We are brought to dust until we truly believe that any adequacy comes from God alone. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency or our adequacy is from God. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Even mature Christians can only 
cast their care upon the Lord by the Holy Spirit's gracious enablement. So a sinner in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity certainly cannot get anywhere by his own will. Enter the Holy Spirit. Miracles take the love of God. We must fall to the grace and mercy of God, the Holy Spirit, to graciously grant enablement. We must lay hold of Christ by faith until the Holy Spirit moves in power. It takes a miracle, and miracles take the love of God. Without the Holy Spirit coming alongside, helping, comforting, we would sink in despair and fall victim to the malice of Satan. And we must never be presumptuous to dare the devil. A pastor years ago at an area church delivered this strong sermon. He himself became full of zeal and all puffed up. Presumption. He, he was very presumptuous at that point. He was leaving on his two-month vacation. Suddenly he challenged the devil to, quote, give us your best shot, unquote. That summer, a child drowned in the lake on the grounds of that church. Someone fell and sued the church. Two others sued the church with other accusations, and more happened. This this senior pastor wasn't there. Thank God my husband and I knew not to make such bold challenges coming out of a presumptuous heart. We both said at the same time, not us. We said it right out loud. (laughs) Not us. We went through that summer spared from that great hardship and trials. The Holy Spirit does not leave his work half done. He is the life producer, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the one who quickens, the spirit of truth, the spirit of faith, as 2 Corinthians 4.13. And it is the Holy Spirit who shows us that all of our conviction of sin, confessions, deep repenting, utter helplessness, crying, weeping, using our helplessness as an excuse is not our ground of acceptance with Christ or God the Father. So please, become more mature in Christ and if you like to use tactics to manipulate, think you're going to manipulate God, please don't waste your time in God's. <laughs> oh, my. Titus 3, 3 through 7. For one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, misled, and enslaved to all sorts of desires and pleasures living in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But 
when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not by the righteous deeds which we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration or new birth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we would become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Titus 3, verses 3 through 7. All of, all of that is consciousness of truth, acknowledging truth experientially. Repentance is necessary to put us into a position where we can receive what Christ is willing to give. We, we have to repent. That's a turning around. We're going one direction, we turn around and go another direction. Not one that's close, we, it's a 180 degree turn. Why did Jesus send the Holy Spirit as comforter, as the paraclete? Jesus sent the Holy Spirit as comforter, uh, paracletos in Greek, to make Jesus always present to us. Jesus was going away, but Jesus promised comfort to his disciples. They would have one in whom his presence should be restored to them. Jesus is our advocate before the Father. The Holy Spirit is an advocate as well, called in and given by Jesus to represent him, to make his presence real to them, and to reveal and impart all that Jesus is to his disciples. The meaning of the word paraclete. Now let's consider passages like John 14, verses 15 to 21, uh, verse 26 and 27. John 15, verse 26. John 16, verses 5 to 7. Okay, I'm just going to summarize. Counselor, advocate, encourager, helper, comforter, the one who refreshes, the summoner, the one who breaks off, the one who makes one free, are all in the definition and meaning of the word paraclete. And there's more. Have you ever been... Orphaned? Um, I don't know, maybe. It happened in our family because at a certain point in our Christian life, um, my husband was so high up in the church as an elder at that time, and basically we went through something, and uh, it's... It's called the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we knew 
and he knew that we had to leave. We weren't there to split the church or cause division. And so we had to leave. But at that point, we were orphans. We were just kind of out there for a while. There's all kinds of verses on this that are in the written message. And um, Jesus takes us in uh, like orphans. We're orphans. He takes us in with the sending of the Holy Spirit. God will not leave us as orphans. God makes a home for the lonely. Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as another paraclete or another comforter, implying that Jesus is the first, given by the Father to obtain and communicate his blessing. Jesus mediates the divine life and love to us as mediator of the covenant and high priest of the new covenant in his blood. The Holy Spirit mediates with Christ, revealing in our hearts as present and continuous experience in the power of the endless life. All that Christ's advocacy secures to us. Okay, that that whole last sentence there is Andrew is a quote from Andrew Murray. All that Jesus was to his disciples, the Holy Spirit now is to the church abiding forever. When Jesus promised another plate another comforter. The disciples were facing that sorrow of being orphaned. The whole idea, what? What do you mean you're going away? What does that mean? And Jesus was preparing them that he would be uh, crucified and die. And he was going back to the Father. And he was preparing them. So they were starting to face that sorrow um, of Jesus' presence with them going away. Again, Andrew Murray gives us insight. Quote, the comfort to be given was the restoration in greater power of the presence of him, their divine advocate. It is because the Spirit is the indwelling representative of Jesus as the advocate in heaven making him always present in the heart that he is the other advocate or comforter. That's Andrew Murray. The comforter as advocate. Now the Greek word for comforter is parakletos, as I said. Para means from close beside and kaleo means make a call. <laughs> now this refers to a legal advocate who makes the right judgment call because of being close to the situation. So the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us 
and he gives us what to say and everything. His advice or judgment stands up in court. Charles Spurgeon talks about the Holy Spirit as one called to and as one calling to. Called to come, suggest, advocate, help, and guide. And one calling to us to our benefit as a monitor, teacher, one who puts us in remembrance, incentive, and comforter. Jesus Christ, as our divine advocate, makes made sure that his own would not be left as orphans. The Holy Spirit is sent by the Father and the Son as another comforter to come alongside to guide us into all truth. He lets us know that we are not alone. As we abide in Christ and Jesus' word abides in us, our relationship with the Lord deepens. We find the one true God to be trustworthy. We can trust him. Even if and when we do not trust ourselves. I don't have time to go into it, but I have experienced this. And I can tell you that the one true God is trustworthy. He is worthy of our trust. I had a very hard time trusting. Um, I was raised not to trust, and the Bible says not even to trust ourselves. But we can trust the living God, even if and when we do not trust ourselves. May we never be presumptive. May we treat this relationship as fragile and yet absolutely secure. A relationship of love that will not let us go. And I have also experienced that. May we always remember that this relationship is to be holy, pure, honest, perfectly good, and do no harm. We are admonished. And so this is a reminder. The Holy Spirit can be tempted, tried, tested, grieved, insulted, quieted, vexed, limited, resisted, quenched, lied to, defrauded, despised, disobeyed, blasphemed against, refused or received, obeyed, followed, and yielded to. And the idea is know him, know the Holy Spirit, desire to know the Holy Spirit. When we can't see God's hand, we can trust his heart. When we can't see God's hand, we can trust his heart. 
And when we're talking about the comforter, we are indeed talking about the heart of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father God, help us, help us to trust, trust in you. Even when we don't know, we don't even know what you're doing, how it's going to happen, or any of that. We can trust your heart, the heart of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And now if you please stand for the benediction. Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of the peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.